I'm Poltergeist, and I make inappropriate songs about horror movies. So basically, I just came to see some naked D's and A's for free. Take a peek, take a key. Twelve cabins, twelve vacancies, twelve bodies, mother pray for me. I might go psycho occasionally. One body, too many pray for me, cause we all go a little mad sometimes. No happy ever after, just chapter after, chapter after, chapter. Massacre, make the ripper look like an amateur ambassador of the slashers. Michael! All of the apologies that you can muster from your dread Won't protect you on your bed Nothing will from Pumpkinhead This is not a dream, baby This ain't Halloween, baby When I'm on the scene, this is what we call a scream, baby Subscribe on YouTube at Poltergeist OD Follow me on Instagram and the Slasher app at Poltergeist underscore OD The following podcast is a production of The Network Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Silence Your Phones, your movie review podcast found exclusively on the network at BICBP-radio.com. I'm your host, Chris Chavez, joined as always by Sean Fritz. I think I'm going to take off the Your Movie Review podcast because that's a tongue twister, dude. Trying to say that all the time, but I keep trying to make like the one. Remember the one time I messed up over and over and I just keep, keep cutting and starting over and over again. Now it's like in my brain. And it's one of those things that if you think of it too much, you end up making that mistake. And I keep thinking I'm going to, because when I say it, it's like I said, it's a tongue twister. Your movie review podcast. What if you mix it up? Like your movie review podcast. I don't know why I became, <laughs> who, who did this? Stone Cold? Uh, I don't know why Stone I was like, woo, woo, woo. <laughs> your movie review podcast. <laughs> yeah, or like uh, like like those old school TV announcers, right? This is Silence Your Phones. Your movie Michael Buffer might podcast. come after you. Welcome with your host. Let's get ready to review Chris Chavez. Oh, and like John um, Fritz. Who was that? The and now your guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now your hosts. Oh God, and we just have the crowd going nuts and shit. Music playing. Do you want to do one of those <laughs> one time? That'd be funny, right? That'd be kind of funny. Um, are we, so are what's we going on, dude? Oh, 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 this is going to stay in. Oh, oh okay. this is all staying in. So what's going on, man? Like, I don't know what to talk Production about meetings. anymore because we're <laughs> we're vaccinated. So there's no more Rona for us to really discuss. I mean, we could, but I'm just like, man, life's going so, somewhat back to normal here, I guess. Well, by I think by court of public opinion and lack of. <laughs> you know, patience and stay the course and whatever. That's just personal opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, but it is going back to normal because I get to take another flight this week. Ooh, where are you going? I'm going back to the office. Um, going Well, the main office, going to New Jersey for a week. 
because as my, in my first, um, well, it's not my first, but it's, uh, uh, I hired my first employee. Uh, oh, so man. I get to train them on a job that I have been doing. Let's say it poorly because I've been doing three jobs. Um, thankfully it's been slow that I didn't, haven't had to do much of this position, but mm-hmm. you know, it's been, I finally hired somebody to replace someone else. Um, who had left the company close to six months ago by now. Good yeah, Lord. It's been super fun. Is this a remote position? Like, or is this person, do you have to be based in New Jersey? Uh, near one of the offices, but typically New Jersey is where they were really looking. And it will be an in, in the office job for this person once gotcha. things go back to regular, because it does deal with receiving inventory, cataloging it, inventorying it, validating it, things of that nature. So luckily, um, you know, luckily I found somebody who was qualified and uh, actually showed up for an interview, uh, video interview specifically, and, um, you know, really impressed me. So um, I'm very excited and rejuvenated about that. Um, But that also means I have to take a plane ride to New Jersey and stay in a hotel for four days, which I have done already during COVID pre-vaccine. Uh, to the tune of five times. Five so now times. you're walking in with like arms. You're walking in like you're leading the marching band, dude. You got no problem walking in this time. You're like, I'm good, people. I'm vaccinated. Yeah, but I still work. You know, it's funny. So you walking uh, down the halls like George Jefferson. You own the yeah. place. <laughs> but uh, although I, I do still wear a mask when I go out in public, like to the grocery store, because yeah. I have respect for other people. I'm yeah, not a yeah. crazy um, person that doesn't you know like oh hey f F all y'all you know it's uh it's interesting to see how companies grow yeah no you're not kidding because that makes me think now because my my employee number is 960 but we're already at 3000 i think employees and i don't know where i stand now in terms of seniority because obviously a lot from before me are not there anymore so Mm -hmm. it's interesting i never thought of that Hmm. i'll tell you what i am not Hmm. not the last you are not the last employee, the nope. last executive, the last nope. promotion. Nope. Certainly not the last dragon. No. The movie we watched, that's the last dragon. A martial arts champion in search of the glow. Master, I need more time. I am no longer your master. A rock and roll star on the rise. I know what it's like to lose precious things. A madman. Shogun. A maniac. You're going to put my video on your show, aren't you? The answer is no. And the glamour, the power, and the sound of Motown. I don't want you to kill anybody. Are you out of your mind? The Leroy Green I'm looking for is a little pop thinks he's a kung fu master. I am no master. You sure look like a master to me. This is Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon. To the beat of the rhythm of the night. And dance until the morning light. Forget about the worries on your mind. You can leave it all behind. It's about the power of the glow. Timeock. Vanity. Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon, directed by Michael Schultz, a Motown Productions picture from TriStar. Oh, uh, yeah, we watched The Last Dragon. 
True story. Had, had you seen this before? Yes. Is this yes like, I, oh, so I, you, you, so you knew what you were getting into when you watched this? Oh yeah. Oh okay. yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Yeah, we good. were getting into a. Yeah, I knew exactly <laughs> what we were getting into. Not every last little detail. Yeah. Like some of the subplots, totally forgot about those. Oh yeah, I know. Watching back on that, it was like, holy cow! <laughs> there's a lot going on in this movie. Yeah, um, let's let, let's just say this movie is very 80s. The mu- and we'll get into this more in detail. The music, very 80s. There's like, so much, dude. The bad part of the 80s. There's so and, much about this movie, dude. Yeah. So I want you to give your plot summary. And then I'm going to give you mine. <laughs> okay. So yeah, let's get into the plot. So basically, we get this kid, right? Leroy Green Jenkins, who <laughs> is is absolutely infatuated with Bruce Lee and that whole thing, the martial arts, the wisdom of the East, finding his his the the master, the inner whatever, the Zen, you know, trying to reach this level of 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 kung fu master. Um, so this is 1985. This is coming off of, you know, just five, six, seven years after Bruce Lee died. And we're talking about, you know, what, right. He died in 78. When did he die? 73. Oh, holy crap. Never mind. We're talking t- 10 years over. It's been a decade now. But we do see what the influence that he had on pop culture um, and, and, and even overall culture. Right. Because I remember it being a big deal that after his movies throughout the late 70s and into the 80s, you saw dojos pop up in every single neighborhood across the country in every strip mall was a, a kung fu a karate a judo a jujitsu something right something where you as a kid your parents could take you to go learn martial arts and so 1985 this kid is definitely in deep he he wants to be a kung fu master um he's reached the highest level of whatever teachings his his teacher can teach him um which is funny because this teacher is, is very much realizes he's interacting with this kid in Harlem, right? Like this teacher is very aware that he's a kid in Harlem and that, listen, we're not, you know, we're not in China right now. We're not in a Buddhist temple. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's just trying to like teach this kid what the kid wants, but like practical lessons here. So this kid basically wants to reach this level of, of Kung Fu master. So he's on the search for this final level. Um, and then he kind of gets embroiled in this weird stuff that's happening. So one of the things that's going on here is there is this video music video producer, right? Who has a Cindy Lauper slash Madonna style um, artist who he's trying to get her video played on what would be kind of like soul train or something like that, like an MTV channel, a let's, video let's, music let's channel. It what, it, what the kids know today as total request live or TRL. <laughs> I don't even know if that's the kids. That's what the, the boomers today know as. <laughs> um, but so he's trying this, this, this mogul's trying to get his artist's video to be on this show who is host. The host is this woman who's extremely popular. Right. And um, she says, no. So he says, my gangsters are going to come and, and, and kidnap you until you do what we say. Unfortunately, or, or fortunately for her, our, our Bruce Leroy, our hero here, sees this attempt and ends up stopping them from kidnapping her. So there's this one plot, this this kind of music producer that's trying to get his stuff on the air. And he's got 
goons that are going after this woman to get it done. We have Bruce Leroy trying to find, you know, the final level, reach his master, reach the, the mastering of the Kung Fu levels. Uh, Then there's this other weird plot happening with like his family life, right? Like this, there's the, the families that they own a pizza place. Um, He has a relationship with his brother where his brother thinks he's just an idiot, basically. And his brother is like eight years old, but talks to him like he's like 22, right? Like he's one of these kind of like it was, that was a popular thing to do in the eighties with these movies was to have these kids that were young, but like the stuff coming out of their mouths was way too old for what they were saying. You know what I mean? And it wasn't mm-hmm. like they were saying it, not knowing what they were talking about. They knew what they were talking about. Um, that's the plot. The plot is this kid is basically trying to find his, how to become the Kung Fu master and gets embroiled in, in this crazy kind of this gangster thing that's happening with the, the per, music pro production company. Oh, then we also have Shogun. Listen, Dude, how can you forget that? <laughs> if this kid wants to be a Kung Fu master, right? You have to go up against the self-proclaimed greatest of all Harlem, the Shogun of Harlem, right? And it's this dude that's like, if if our if Bruce Leroy is infatuated with Bruce Lee, our Shogun character is totally infatuated with all Kung Fu movies and just makes himself this ultimate villain, complete with goons that are matching in dress. And dude, I mean, I don't know. What, when we get into the characters and the cast and stuff, we'll definitely get into this, but... For me, that's the plot. It's there's nothing too confusing. It's a straightforward, the the hero coming up against um, you know adversity to try to to gain this new level of existence, saving the girl and fighting the the big bad villain at the end. So here's the plot. Do it. Enter the dragon takes place <laughs> in Harlem. Kind of, except there's no fighting tournament. No, but there's fighting in general. I mean, was there? I, I guess, yeah. You swap out. There's a lot of scenes of though from the movies, though, like like towards the end when uh, all the the students come in and all start fighting real quick. It's like emulating that final scene mm-hmm. of Enter the Dragon. Oh man, dude! But that's the plot. Like this is the story: is we we're following Leroy Green on his quest to master kung fu, become a kung fu master, mm-hmm. right? And in the process has to save a girl from some of the dangers she's dealing with and fight this villain that may, is basically saying like he's like the final level boss in a video game. Eddie Arcadian is more of a of a of a Han character. True. And and um Mike's um Mike Star. Rock. The Rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh yeah. Mike Star, star of Ernest Goes to Jail. Dumb and Dumber, yep. <laughs> yes. Uh is almost like combination of bolo and uh who was the other guy <laughs> ohara but Shonuff is also a little bit of both of those characters too so they yeah. kind of amalgamate and split at the mm-hmm. same time um you know what yeah. i was kind of i was kind of um disappointed in though is that we didn't so there was this which come on tell me how amazing this is dude that they have they're looking they have a casting call basically for the most evil of super villains out there right and they're they're in a line right these are villains and they're in a line they're they're obeying the rules of a queue first of all let's just put that in the villains are obeying the line the the rules of a queue and they have resumes yeah do you know where this takes place (laughs) where's that in a scene it's the only one that takes place in a scene it's referenced one other time 
uh, but it takes place in an uh, in an arcade. <laughs> is this where he gets his like? But this dude, is his, uh, this the people is that hustle? came in, dude, it's like the one big brute monster that just all he does was growl the whole time and bark. I'm like, is that Mad Dog Vashon or so like amazing. George the Animal Steel? Oh god, but, dude! But here's the thing with that scene. Just since we're talking about it, it's like Eddie Arcadian <laughs> is like an accountant as well. It's like pay him whatever he wants, but take off for the table. Okay. Oh, well, is is there like a GL line where it's like uh, <laughs> damage, like damage done? <laughs> exactly. Was there like a security deposit that he has to pay out of his paycheck? Uh, like I said, you know, we've I've we've both seen this before, and I've always. I like this movie has always been one of those movies that's a fun movie. It's not supposed mm-hmm. to be serious to me. And so like stuff like that, I've always seen and enjoyed it with charm. But when you watch it with like, does it make sense? No, there's so much in this that just doesn't make sense at all. Um, it, it doesn't have to. <laughs> oh, okay. Did you, what, what was at the very end? Did you notice the, the giant polar bear version of Mr. T? Polar there's bear a big version. dude, white, white dude with white hair, but it's, oh, yeah. Le- Mr. I, T, do it, haircut, beard, I was, everything. I was thinking Santa Claus, gold chains, and everything. Like he oh, wanted man. to be the white Mr. T, dude. I was thinking like Zangief, but as Santa Claus. <laughs> I did not put that. That was Mr. T, and then they like tore his pants off. I'm like, okay, that's oh yeah, a move. I yeah. guess I don't think it's regulation. But I love and I love the whole time he had this gun until the very end. He's like, okay, fine, fine. You're forcing me to use this. That's I'm going to do everything else I can to kill you, but um, you're forcing me to use my gun. Because <laughs> it ended it all earlier, right? It's but that was a case. callback to a rumor from earlier. Yes, yeah, which was perfect, right? Like that works out so good. Um, man, <laughs> what do you got to say? What do you got to say about this? It's like, eh, maybe it works out perfectly. But, Did you, you notice know. this? I noticed this earlier in the movie. There's a spot where we first are introduced to Leroy's family mm-hmm. and he's on the roof meditating and his brother sticks his head out the window and calls up to him to get him to get him to come down for breakfast. Mm-hmm. He calls him by the wrong name and they leave it in the movie. What they call him? He calls him Reloy. Like Leroy, but Reloy? Reloy. He says, Reloy, get down here. And I was like, Hang on a second. Did I hear that right? <laughs> I had to rewind it, play it, rewound it, play it. I'm like, yeah, he said Reloy. Hmm. Was that on purpose? Was it uh, a boo-boo? No, I think it's an edit. Yeah, I think it's an editing mistake. Hmm. Probably already done. And then somebody caught it. It was like, oh, we're not hmm. going to refilm that whole thing. No one's going to catch that. We're going to do here, dub it. Here in 2021, <laughs> well, Chris is can't... breaking it apart on Silence Your Phones. You can't redub it now. No. Oof. Yeah, not for half this cast, dude. Mm-mm. We'll get into it in a little while. Yeah. Um, but what do you have to say about this plot? What are your thoughts on it in terms of a plot? So, I mean, there is definitely a lot of, and maybe this is more cinematography, but there is a lot of parallels with Enter the Dragon, with oh, yeah. uh, Fists of Fury, with um, a bunch of different Bruce Lee and previous Kung Fu movies, mainly Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they uh, you know, you basically have Shonov who is the leader of the Wu-Tang clan uh, quite. I mean, I'm not kidding. Like, yeah, they, they're like, Hey, we love Kung Fu movies. And mm-hmm. I'm sure this ranks up there on their list. All nine. Oh, I'm sure. All eight rest in peace. ODB. ODB. Um, but Capadonna can take his place, right? Come on now. I mean, no can, can he really though? 
No he can fill can, his slot. He no can't one can take, take over old dirty. He can't take his place. He can fill his vacant slot though. I mean, I mean, man, probably not. But anyways, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> yeah, let's. Do, this is a topic of debate. This is a Wu Tang podcast now. <laughs> yeah. Executive uh, chat meets <laughs> Wu Tang. Well, that's a that's a weird combination. <laughs> Very niche market, by the way. Here you go. Um, you know, you basically have your good guy, your your um, unwilling or your your hesitant good guy yeah. who because he's there saves the girl which you always need that in a movie apparently and and then you have your uh your antagonist or antagonists and their underlings cuz you can't get right to the big boss right um you know you have shown off in his group of wacky people and wacky dressers and you also have Eddie Arcadian and his goons. We'll get more more into the more on the goons later. Uh, it feels but, like Shonuff was more of an antagonist towards Leroy, though. I mean, he was strictly zeroing was in on him. And we had what one, two? There was three different times where it was about bursting in mm-hmm. and trying to call him out in a fight. Like that's the classic thing in these kung fu films is the mm-hmm. the calling out of like you need to come fight me and the hero constantly being kind of like no, I'm not supposed to use this as, you know, just to show that I can beat you. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to use my art. Well, to the and even to the point where he was where he was um being provoked cuz his parents pizza yeah. joint was beat up. His I brother guess for got lack of a better term. Stuffed into a garbage can. Yeah, and the squelching noises that were made when he was stuffed in there. Like, who throws that much spaghetti and pizza sauce away? But, oh, God. Yeah, and... and Okay, to that scene. <laughs> what the hell is with everyone being like, what's wrong with you? Um, I mean, like, what's wrong with you? Blah, blah, blah. His brother's like, you're, you're a problem. Yeah, you're the problem. Yeah. You're the um, asshole that's not fighting him. What's the point in having all these these skills if you're not going to beat people up well and when he <laughs> basically and then, is what he's saying yeah why would you we, be able to fight if you're not going to be a bully yeah and then leroy goes back to his dojo and just starts punching the bag hitting the bag and screaming like the, the mantra like the pledge of allegiance of karate <laughs> or whatever whatever they say at the beginning it's amazing it's so good though oh oh it's so 80s too it is it really is um, but he he starts doing that, like trying to get himself calm, and then, you know, eventually he starts hanging out with the uh, and being very racist against himself. By the way, with those uh, oh uh, yeah. fortune cookie fellas, oh yeah, <laughs> and uh, we, which we didn't <laughs> which, even touch on. Which how amazing is that, right? So 1985, we have three fortune cookie workers who there are there's no over the top like Asian accent, right? There's no they they put it on though. But aside from being, yeah, they do it as to, to like say, oh, you need us to be this kind of a thing. But aside from being the fact that they worked at a fortune cooking plant, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, there was nothing at all about these guys that they were typecast to, to act a certain way to be more Asian, which I thought was awesome because it's very funny how we see this completely flipped in this movie. We see, um, you know, the black population, at least our main characters are very much filling the role of what the, the typical Asians would have filled. If this would have just been strictly a script and it didn't explain that it was a black person in, in Harlem, right? Typically, they would have filled all these with Asian roles because you're thinking this is a Bruce Lee type movie. But, you know, you have African-Americans filling this role. And then on the other side of it, you have Asian characters without that typical kind of Asian 
um, kung fu, you know, type of thing. And I think the guy even makes fun of it. You know, the one kid in his class makes fun of the fact that all I have to do is is scream a lot and and act like this. If I'm Asian, Mm -hmm. well, he doesn't say Asian. He uses the old term for for Asian. The the, the very ruggish term, if, if you will. Yes, very ruggish indeed. Oh man. But yeah, no, you're definitely right in terms of um, you know, these these antagonists that we have, uh, Shogun and and Arcadian. Arcadian just felt more of an antagonist in terms of he, you know, he didn't know who Leroy was at all. Leroy just kind of stumbled into his stuff and is mucking up his business now. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's it's kind of like more, I guess it's more realistic as opposed to enter the dragon in that, you know, I, I guess the whole movie is kind of kicked off and, and we get these series of events because, and you know, the fortune cookie and shown off and all this other stuff, because, you know, the title of the movie, the last dragon is um, kind of, I think it's only ever said one verbally said spoken about a thousand times, but uh, <laughs> uh, su- sung about a thousand times, but verbally said once in the movie, yeah. Uh, that there are what seven there's a cycle that they yeah, there's a cycle yeah. of uh starting with a blank circle going to like various stages of what look like yin and yang yeah it, some colors different rotations and orientations uh but then like the last one is quite conveniently the patch that he wore on his tank top when he worked out mm-hmm. uh that was the last dragon and then the circle starts anew with a new purpose a new mission a new whatever and Leroy can't get out of his own way in that. So his, his now former sensei tells him, you must go find a new, you know, the master that you seek. Turns out. It's a computer. <laughs> well, that part, but. <laughs> that was the best part. That was one know, of the parts. But, and there comes this, there comes a, a lesson in that, right? Because it comes back mm-hmm. around to his master, where his master's like smacking him on the head type of thing. Like almost like. Like Bruce Lee smacking the, the the guy in the head, saying, "You know, if you too, you're too focused on the finger, you know, you mm-hmm. miss the heavenly glory type of thing. You're too focused on this that you don't realize that the master's inside you, type of thing. You're going where the puck is, not where the puck is going to be. Bingo! That right there summarizes the plot. Let's move yeah. on to the cast. Does it summarize <laughs> or samurize? It samurizes the plot. <laughs> Let's head over to the cast. Uh, fun cast. Some interesting faces showed up that I didn't realize were going to be in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to name it right away, dude. When I saw William H. Macy, I was like, whoa, what's going on here? That's a shameless show up. Get it? Yep. Or, or Chaz Palminteri. That was even better, dude. Barely even noticed it's him, but he had speaking mm-hmm. lines. So uh, it, it was enough of a role. Um, Keisha Knight. Uh, little Rudy, Rudy, <laughs> Rudy. Dude, and this is literally like during that era, right? Like when did the, when did the Cosby show start? 84, 85, 86, something like that. I want to say literally the age. neighborhood. Yeah. It's the age of when it oh, started 84. Um, do you ever watch the show? Martin Martin. Yeah. Remember his friend cockroach or no, not cockroach, but he played, um, Cole. It has been a long time since I've watched not the Martin. tall, not the tall dude, but the shorter guy that was his friend. He had the, the real tall dude that was his Martin's friend, and then he had a shorter guy that was his friend. The shorter guy, Carl Anthony Payne. Oh, he was in the yeah. pizza oh, yeah. shop, dude. That's he's right. In the, he's in the pizza shop, dude. But he's not like the brother. He's just like one no, of the no. guys he was that's just in the one back. sitting in there. Yeah. You're just like, oh, hey. Um, 
But then, okay, so when we see Mike Starr as well, dude, I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. I love Mike Starr. I mean, he's constantly playing these kinds of goon roles, but he, he plays looks- them all so differently, yet there's this kind of, like this character, Rock, could have been like evolved into who would become the character in Dumb and Dumber. This character, Rock, would eventually become one of Brad Wesley's henchmen in Roadhouse. He would have played the... Um, yes. He's retired so many times, I can't remember. Terry Funk. <laughs> okay, hot, hold on, time out. I want Mike Starr to play Terry Funk in, in a biopic. Yes. <laughs> he could do uh, it. An older Terry Funk. I think he could pull it off like later in his years. He could do it definitely. Mm-hmm. So did you notice at the towards, so when we discussed earlier in the movie when there's the scene at the, is it, um, where are they at when they do that final fight? It's at the. At it's the, like a warehouse. Is it a warehouse? Yeah. Well, they're right. in a dance club that apparently is right next to an abandoned warehouse building. And when all of the students come in and start like doing all the karate, and then there's the one Asian guy that was just like who didn't know one. how to fight, who all of a sudden could fight. Oh yeah, yeah, right, yeah. And then there was the short one. There was the like star of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes. Two. Yes, dude. A little bit of nepotism going on here because Ernie guess what? Reyes Jr. And guess whose dad was one of the fight choreographers? Stop. Was that his dad? Well, well he was one of the cho- amazing dude. No, he was one of the chore- He was one of the the guys that said, "This is how we're going to do this, guys. Here's the dance yeah. we're going to do." Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wasn't. He was in the movie somewhere. I I didn't see him but because still, they gave dude. him they gave him like a, a a fighting fighter in the club. You know what though? When you maybe watch he was Mister T. When, <laughs> when you watch this little kid get down in the club, immediately you're just kind of like, holy crap. Like there's a little kid in here that's actually like looks like he could really beat up a lot of these older men. Yeah, but I think part of that is you have to be able to reach above their kneecaps. Well, not really. Well, uh, I mean, he could go the above the he could go above the kneecap, and that's where he did a lot of the hitting. Yeah. <laughs> not above the belt, just above the kneecap. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, let's go. Let's go to the top of the list here. Leroy Green, Timac, Timac, right? That's how you say it. Timac, yeah. This was his first role ever. His, mm-hmm. He literally. One of the things I read was that he learned how to act during this film. Um, and I got to tell you, it must be maybe just the way he was, like person, like the, his personality or how he comes across. And isn't that the thing, right? The best actors don't act; they just kind of do it or whatever. Like they exist or. Um, or they react or whatever you want to say in this movie, he fills this character the way this character should be. He should be a fish out of water. He Mm -hmm. should be, you know, he shouldn't sound like he comes from Harlem. He shouldn't feel because he doesn't, that's not what he wants to be. He's trying to be a a character in a Kung Fu movie. So we, from what I get out of this character is he grew up doing this. He grew up watching Bruce Lee from the seventies and ever since he was a little kid decided I'm going to speak a certain way. You know, I'm going to uh, like, like the way he would talk, you know, I must leave you now. I must dis, you know, like, like who's, who speaks this way. Right. And his brother, is the total opposite coming at him, but, but like you could see this kind of black and white yin and yang when he and his brother would interact as to how different he was th- than his surroundings. Um, and he comes across well that way. Maybe it works having an actor who's never acted before do that because it's mm-hmm. going to come across awkward, doesn't belong. So speaking of awkward, it says here, 
other people considered for the role of Leroy Green? <laughs> okay. Billy Blanks. I could see that. That's different. Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes in 85. Yeah. And uh, so what was he doing in 80? Nothing. He did nothing in 85. Nothing yeah. Now, 89 was Major League. Major. Oh, okay. Okay. He, Willie Mays Hayes, right? New Jack City was 91. Oh, New Jack. That's what I was thinking. 92 was White Men Can't Jump. Oh, he's Demolition. not do the right thing. He's in White Men Can't Jump. Uh, yeah. You're gotcha. Correct, Amundo. So that would have been uh, another unknown. Interesting. Okay. Um, ironically, in 1986, he was in a movie called Streets of Gold where he played Roland Jenkins. <laughs> I don't know why that. No, that that was a piss poor callback, Sean. Uh, because I made the joke Leroy Jenkins yeah, instead of Leroy Green. I know. I got you. Well, there. Well, I in the mind of a madman, Chris. <laughs> I knew what you were doing there, dude. Um, uh, but yeah, that's oh, I could oh, see. There's I more. could see. I could see Wesley Snipes doing it because he's always been into martial arts. So I'm sure that's something that started before his acting career. Here's where it gets, let's say, unbelievable. Uh, fantastic. Did you say Patrick Swayze? What if I said Patrick Duffy? <laughs> <laughs> And his leg was Patrick Duffy. Uh, no, this one makes it a little less believable. Denzel Washington. <laughs> well, maybe a young one, right? But I can't see him doing martial uh-uh. arts, dude. I think they were right in what they did because, again, yeah. Ty Mac was a martial artist before an actor. Like he was a black belt in in whatever martial arts at the time. Whenever they got him, yeah. Um, no, Denzel didn't do much before. You know, this movie, Glory was 89. So Time Mac, dude, listen to this. I don't know if you saw this, but after this film, he went on to do a, a, a few other things, right? Video roles, side work, TV work. Uh, some of the highlights was he was the lead male in a Janet Jackson video. Um, and he played a date rapist in an episode of the TV show, A Different World. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Here's, here's, a, here's, a, here's an, a, a connection to an earlier episode of Silence your phones. He starred in a hit off-Broadway show in 2004 called Roadhouse the Comedy based on the Patrick Swayze film Roadhouse. So what did they just do the exact beat for beat? Because it wasn't Roadhouse a comedy? I don't know. I hope so because I have to find that somewhere. That has to exist on film somewhere. Um, But so Timek, dude, for me, I thought he, he did a good job in terms of what they asked him to do because that's how he came across. Like I said, kind of Awkward, kind of fish out of water, but very passionate in martial arts, passionate in this kind of idea that, you know, to live a certain way or to reach a certain level of, of mastery. Mm-hmm. Uh, vanity. What you think of Vanity of Prince Purple Rain fame? Vanity's, vanity is an interesting t- uh, subject, topic of conversation. Um, they say she's a singer. Was. I'm aware. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, they say she was a singer, and I saw her sing in this movie. <laughs> say There's a they, lot of singing going on in this movie. Wait till we get to the music, dude. They say she was a dancer, and I saw her do what looked to be pantomiming mixed it was, with it was over the top sign language. It was something mixed happening. with like. It looked Jazzercise. like she was trying to do the Egyptian, like the walk the Egyptian thing. Oh, I'm not talking about that there. part. I'm talking about the part where she sang the theme to that TV show she did, that oh. Total Request Live show. <laughs> and it looked like she had like, she was doing the signal from <laughs> Team America. 
<laughs> and sign language where people are like way over the top with their sign language. Oh, yeah. Those videos on YouTube, by the way, are hilarious. Oh, God. Um, and then it looked like she was like she lost control of her, like not her le- arms and legs, but her torso at one point. And it looked like <laughs> a combination of that and the Kevin James dance from Hitch. Oh, nice. There was nice. so much movement going on. And I'm like, what, what is, th- what is this? Like, what are, what are all these hand motions that she's doing? Is that, is that how, I mean, that's how white people like myself dance who have no rhythm when it comes to dancing, but so no singing, no dancing. What'd you think of her acting? She was on set. Yeah. Right. It, I, I felt like, I mean, I, I read somewhere. Where did I read this? Um, Roger Ebert. I was reading one of his reviews back in back when this came out in 85, March of 85. And he said something along the lines of, you know, he gave it kind of a blah rating, but he, he did speak highly about some of the performances. And one of them was vanity. He talked about like how, like, this is another gem that Prince has introduced to the world. And I just thought to myself, did I watch the same movie as he did? Because like, I, like I, this movie, she fits what she's supposed to. It's almost kind of like this. Um, all she has to be is a damsel in distress. There doesn't have to be any, any kind of deep character to this. We just need somebody for our character to need to save. But then they really try to start developing more of a character with her as the, as the movie continues because we want them to have an emotional connection. We're trying to make sure that we see them get together. Um, and it just didn't seem to work with me. It felt like there wasn't anything that we cared about with her. Um, aside from damsel in distress, and you got to save her. Like she was the princess at the top of the tower with Mario trying to save her from Donkey Kong. Like there's no story. She's just there. Well, and, and part of it too, is that she is the thing that, first of all, we'll get to him here in a second, but Leroy's younger brother is way out of his league on pining over. He's 12. She's not, by the way. That's never going to happen, but creates the strife between Leroy and what is his brother's name? Um, um, Richie. Richie. Yeah. And, Richie. you know, there's, there's some an initial strife, which is spoiler alert. It's later fixed. Uh, <laughs> I guess you could say it's, uh, you know, forgiven or whatever, or he finally realizes that, you know, whatever, but it's the thing that also, uh, it, it's the thing that also gets him out of his hyper focus karate, 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 kung fu, yeah. karate, karate, taekwondo, and that's yeah. it. Um, it's it's a requirement to get him out of. I mean, it's that that introduces that that crosses their paths that then leads to the setup of everything happens at the at the at the at the, at the TRL studios, right. And uh, it all happens there because Christopher Murney's character, Eddie Arcadian, you know, has been going after her the whole time. So what did you think of Christopher Murney playing Eddie Arcadian? All right. So this guy reminds me of Dan. Uh, What's his name? Hi, uh, Hidea from The Natural and every other movie where they can't get Dean Stockwell. Which one was Dan Hidea? In the Natural? Uh, he's he he's the guy that always plays the gangster in something. Oh, OK. OK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The gangster. Yeah, he does. He plays kind of that slimy, like record producer, video talent agent. Like, because do do we know what he is specifically? Did they say? Is he a producer? He's a producer. That's what Um, I thought. Okay. He's a producer on uh, what's her name? Angela on her album. He's from Q Gardens. Apparently, that's a dump. Um, But 
he basically is a producer one of not like a a predatory producer um in terms of like sexuality or whatever Mm -hmm. but he's like he's trying to get ahead by using everybody else's talent for his for his uh game basically yeah he's got a he's got an artist she's a she's she's more of a cindy lopper than a madonna but you could see it's it's packaged to be that kind of pop star that kind of you know, the Cindy Lauper with the crazy hair and maybe even the voice and the mannerisms, but the Madonna in terms of the way she dresses and that flamboyance and the over the top, like that crazy bra thing that she had, like that spotlight bra. They thing were literal the headlights. Headlights. Um, but yeah, dude, Eddie Arcading, this good dude, I thought he did awesome. He plays this guy perfect in terms of like, you know, very slimy and, and, and not over the top either. Like he's just right in, in the way he, he does this guy. Um, and, and you, there's nothing, nothing redeeming about him. And there's not supposed to be, you're not supposed to like him at all. I don't know if you noticed towards the end, cause this guy's got that kind of balding pattern where he's got the horseshoe hair, but mm-hmm. at the end, as, as things are getting rougher and crazier, that the sides are sticking up more and it literally looks like horned the horns of a devil. Like it looks like he's a bad guy, like the devil. It was crazy looking. I didn't notice that part of it, but yeah, that's uh, like I I love the hair on uh, on um, balding men. <laughs> in that, I'm just gonna keep the, that clip by itself. Yeah, I love the hair on. <laughs> I love how hair of balding men. It's never like shaved, crop tight. Yeah, like to keep yeah. the hair. Like yeah. it's just like it it's like an out. afro. It's like an <laughs> afro of just male pattern baldness. You know what he does is he takes those neck pillow rings. You know what I mean? And then just yep. move it up to above your ears. And that's Airplane pillows. What you got going there? Um, yeah, but Murdy, I thought did a great job. One of the things I didn't know, dude, I was looking here on Wikipedia, dude. He's a vocal, a vocal uh, actor as well. He's the voice of Chester Cheetah of Cheetos. Really? Uh, yeah, and he's also done video games. He was Dwayne um, from the VCPR New World Order Talk Radio in Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Hmm. Um, he's also plays various characters in Red Dead Revolver and Red Dead Redemption. I, I didn't see that. Yeah, he doesn't do a lot, which is no. kind of a shame because he is. He was good, dude. I love. I yeah. thought he did such a good job in this character. Oh, I agree. Yeah, I thought he was great. Uh, and then there's his his artist, right? Faith Prince playing the character of an Angela Varaco or, you know, like I said, Madonna or, or Cindy Lauper. Um, I thought she did good, too, because this character that she's playing, again, is supposed to be almost like a Cindy Lauper type of character. So she mm-hmm. does the voice down. She has all that. But she gets this moment in the movie where she has a redeeming part of herself that, you know, Cause at first you think she's kind of a part of this goon gang where, you know, she's in on it, but as she starts to learn really what's happening, she's not okay with that. And well, it's emotional. Like she becomes very emotional on how she's being used in this situation before she takes off. And I thought well, that performance was great. Yeah. And, and, you know, and she's initially, she's just doesn't want to know about it. And then she becomes more and more reluctant about it. Um, you know, in looking, I, I'm not familiar with this, with this actress at all. Mm-mm. looks like it's more stage right yeah faith prince um but she reminds me of kind of like a carol kane type person because she's so very much broadway and shows up every once in a while behind the uh silver and or golden screen 
Yeah, uh, but I thought, you know, for what she did in this movie, it was uh, great. She was great. She's a good character. And again, there's nothing about her performance that takes you out of the film. If anything, I feel like it's there's so much in it that adds, you know, it's perfect. It's almost there's a moment there where she's almost the Harley Quinn to um, Arcadian's Joker. You know what I mean? Like there's that moment when he gets dunked in that thing where we never know what creature is in that water, right? Mm-hmm. We never know what this thing is, but it, we know it's dangerous because we see the the big leg of lamb just goes missing once it's dunked in there. But he gets his head dunked in there, and when he pulls out of it, he's like freaking out, and she's uh-huh. all like, "Oh, you know, all on him, like, oh, sugar, you you okay?" Mm-hmm. And that's so much like that kind of dynamic. But like I said, she gets this kind of moment where she turns, and the performance mm-hmm. is really good, man. Really kind of. Like if you looked at it and took it out of um, the environment it's in, the performance she's giving is kind of a heartbreaking performance where she's mm-hmm. realizing her, it doesn't matter what her talent is. People are, she's being used right now. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. really good. I thought she did good. Yeah. I think it was, it was, it was really good. She, she also was uh, annoying when she needed to be. Yes. And, yes. and, you know, that does soften a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Richie Green, dude, this little kid. It's always tough when you have little kids acting, but Richie Green, Leo O'Brien, one of the things I saw here on Wikipedia. So he is the younger brother of Guy O'Brien, better known as Master G of the pioneering rap group, the Sugar Hill Gang. Oh, nice. Yeah. Growing up in Inglewood, New Jersey. So, you know, these guys were were up and around that. Uh, He was born in Harlem, Manhattan. But this kid, like from the moment we saw him on screen, done like you already knew he had the charisma Mm -hmm. he had the delivery i mean he had he had everything he was such a a a presence like seriously a presence on screen every time he was on screen Mm -hmm. absolutely i mean he was he was the emotion i guess you could say for for a majority of the film he was the emotion yeah he he, he told you what to feel there was that's true and then there's that misguided kind of I'm eight years old and I'm going to make a, you know, 27 year old or 25 year old woman fall in love with me or 20, however old she's supposed to be. Let's summarize. Get your hands off my woman. Someone who's over 18. Let's just say that. Basically. But but this kid, man, talk about, I mean, he had more confidence than some grown men I've ever seen, dude. It was so fun. And his friends that kind of tag along and follow him around, dude. Oh, so good. I think so I know good. those some of those grown men you're referring to. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, but yeah, Leo O'Brien, what a what a what a presence on stage or on screen. And mm-hmm. it's unfortunate he was somebody who's died recently too, dude. He died at 41 in 2012. Yeah, that's obviously far too young, and there's no listing as to why. Yeah, he didn't do too much in terms of movies. Uh, he did New Jack City in '91 as Kid on Stoop, and that was and then he was in rapping as well. But that's about it, man. This he didn't mm-hmm. get a chance to really do too much, which is sad because after that performance, I just remember thinking to myself, "Man, who is this guy? Like, how come I've never mm-hmm. like who did he grow up to be? Where is he at now?" And then I saw that I was like, "Oh." I was thinking he was one of the one of the brothers from Different Strokes uh, <laughs> initially. Not, not yeah. obviously not Arnold or not yeah, dumb yeah. Gary Coleman. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Todd Bridges. Was that different strokes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's different okay. strokes. I, I thought so. Um, lastly, dude, I saved the main the event. I saved the best <laughs> for last, dude. Chris uh, not Chris Julius Carey. Mm-hmm. Show you enough. You don't get any bigger 
menacing, over the top. I don't think there's ever been a villain that could be this brash, this ridiculous, this revered and feared and laughed at all at the same time. I mean, he's basically the original Road Warriors all wrapped up into one. Have you ever seen a character just chew the shit up of scenes like you see this? Like, he's on this screen and that's it. Like, like, man, I say when this little kid gets on screen, right? Like, he shines and like, that's it. You're, you're enraptured, right? But show enough. The second we're introduced to show enough, you're like, okay, who is this? As a kid, you're like, who is this guy? The hair the giant shoulder pads or even his gi when he's got the gi and it's got like these shoulder pad things shooting off the side. Like, Oh, there's more dude. The cheetah printed yes. belt championship belt that he yes. wore. What is that? That's so amazing. You, you know what it is? It's, it's like the big gold pre big gold mm-hmm. wrapped in animal skin wrapped That's in so shit good. that James Earl Jones wore on his shoulder from go- coming to America. Dude. An inst like this character is an instant just classic character in pop like you know what I mean like so many people and you've seen references to this character in pop culture before. Um, mm-hmm. Buster Rhymes dresses up like him in one of his videos from back in the day. I remember like when yeah, he dangerous that, you know dangerous. Um, you know like this is dude show enough man what a performance what a there performance w- over oh, the yeah. top but like. It's that's how it had to be. If any of those lines, any of those things had been delivered in any other way than the way it's been done, this movie's completely different. It just is. Well, and okay, think about the writing of this character too. Who's the baddest is what he would say. Show enough. Where, and, and sure enough. <laughs> and, the call, and the callback back yeah. and forth. And and here's the thing. If if Leroy Green would say that same phrase, he would say, who is the baddest? Not whose. Yeah. So they had, they were very stark contrast to each other, right down to the writing of how they spoke or how it was delivered. Maybe that was a creative choice, but you know, Leroy is small. Shonuff is much bigger. I mean, he's got 18,000 different types of shoulder pads, <laughs> you know, and let's not forget in the final fight, He's wearing that red gi with the tiger on his right shoulder. Yep. And then it's also across wrapping around the lower half of his left leg. Different tiger, two different tiger prints. And I mean, he wears the people now call them Kanye shades, the Louvre shades. Yes. With the uh, Japan flag right in the center. The, yeah. You know, the red dot with the, 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 the white, white around white, it. Yes. He'd take Rising off, sun. He'd clip them in his belt his championship belt, shoulder pads, like traditional football shoulder pads. Sometimes they are, they look like they're foam shoulder pads. Uh, there was that fight scene where he, right before Eddie, 1930s gangster Eddie Arcadian showed up. And <laughs> yeah, what was that? All I, of a sudden he did his hair. look more credible? I don't know. Going on. It's like, what's but going on here? He, um, uh, <laughs> he had like, uh, so in football, it's called a pretzel. And mm-hmm. it's basically something you wear under your shoulder pads to keep your shoulders back. So that you don't have like, so you don't roll your shoulders forward and hurt them when you like undoubtedly hit somebody with your shoulder. Yeah. And it was like one of those, but it was just like more rounded to look like a shoulder pad of sorts, almost like a, um, 
maybe like a dog training suit at the time. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, right. And and he had just different forms of shoulder pads, with the exception of because it was in the eighties, he did not have the women's power shoulder pads that they wore under their dresses. That's the only shoulder pad I don't think he had in this movie. Um, but I don't know. Maybe they were inspired by Legion of Doom. I don't know, dude. Know, but he is just. He is such a classic character, and it's just it's so amazing when you watch this performance. Like I said, it is a very over-the-top performance, but that's the point because it cannot be shown off if it isn't, right? Like it's if if this was delivered, if these lines were delivered in any other way, deadpan, serious, deadly, it just wouldn't see like even the way he delivered them came across serious and deadly. It could, you know what I mean? Um, but Hold dude, on. come on, he was amazing. He's so good. Imagine Hatawa was it Hatawa from last week? Oh, <laughs> delivering as Shang Tsung in the same Dude. manner. The the Shonuf Dude is the baddest. Yeah, right. Shonuf Shonuf um, is Dude. the Shogun of Harlem. It's so good, man. It's so good, and these characters, you know. Uh, the influence it ends up having on a culture after that, you know what I mean? Like, like even hip hop, hip hop culture just totally embraced martial arts and, and Kung Fu and a lot of this stuff. And the last dragon became this kind of this thing of like, like look at this, right. And Shogun being one of these characters, these characters, that's just kind of like iconic. It's an iconic character. Well, he's got the confidence. He's got the swagger. He's got the entourage. He dresses the way he wants to dress. Yep. I mean, I, I don't. In know. Harlem, in 85 Harlem, 1985 Harlem. I mean, and, <laughs> and he just goes around and whooping, whooping ass on pizza joints, you know? And not giving a shit, dude. And, and then, yeah. He, he's the one where we actually see, you know, you can have some sort of legit. Now we're, now we're going mystical because there's powers involved, there's legit powers involved. All of a sudden, right? This whole movie is this kind of movie. Then at the very end, now we're like, all right, guess what, guys? We're going to show you some some powers, too. Boom. His hands start glowing, dude. You're like, wait, what? If you didn't remember this was coming, you're just like. They they do call it. That's right. They they talk about it at the very beginning. The glow. Yeah, the glow. The soul glow. But here's the other thing is Leroy looking. He's looking for a master is shown off the master that he's looking for i or, would or, have to say he is or is the glow just the physical embodiment of the confidence of i feel I'm like shown off is the master was the master that helped leroy reach that final level dude and when he's when leroy's in the car with with um laura charles <clears throat> vanity uh the love interest mm-hmm. uh, the damsel in distress is uh, he's talking about if the glow falls into the wrong hands, evil hands. Yeah. Uh, side note about, we haven't even mentioned his name, Julius Carey. Maybe we yeah. did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Julius up. Carey. Yeah. Unfortunately, gone far too long, by yeah, the way. Yeah, definitely. This, if you want to treat yourself for 27 hours of this actor, watch the first and only season of the Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. Oh, I love that show, dude. I I, I remember watching I that show it. when I was a kid. Yes. My dad and I with, with the orbs and stuff. Yes. And he plays, yeah, he plays the bounty hunter. One of the, yeah. the one bounty. Yes. And and 
he's all about this stupid bowler hat that he wears. That's right. Um, I'll, uh, Oh dude, that's awesome. Yes. I love, I absolutely love that show. I remember that show back in the day. Um, but yeah, dude, this cast for me, um, I thought everybody in this cast did a great job. Even the care, you know, the, the actors who played the parents, I thought they all did a great job. They all did the job that they were supposed to for what this movie is. You know, you do have a lot of, of, of goons and villains that are over the top. But again, it's supposed to be that way. You have a, a first time actor as our hero that is supposed to be awkward and kind of looking as novice as he does. And that's the point. Like we're supposed to see that, except when it's martial arts, then he's literally a master. The dude knows what he's doing. And when we get to see him do that again, we see that come through, um, you know, the child actors in this were awesome. I think just overall the acting in this movie was, 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 I was going to say perfect, but it is awesome. It's great. They did a great mm-hmm. job. All right, dude, let's move into the music and soundtrack because this movie had some music and a soundtrack. Mm-hmm. This is a Motown production. So you're going to have Barry Gordy's fingerprints all over this thing. And, oh, yeah. um, Dude, Barry Gordy, for anyone who doesn't know who Barry Gordy is, back in the day, this is one of the guys who launched the careers of, he worked with or launched the careers of the Jackson 5, uh, Diana Ross and the Supremes, Smokey Robinson, The Temptations, Stevie Wonder, The Miracles, Marvin Gaye, Jackie Wilson. Basically, if you say Motown, you have to say Barry Gordy. Because Barry Gordy created Motown Records as well. There you go. And now he has a Kung Fu movie, um, which is considered a cult classic nowadays. And, uh, you know, when you have a movie and you also own a record company, it's almost a, a shoe in that your music and the, and the music from your record company will be supplied for the movies you're putting out. And that it's definitely no happens here. Yeah. It's no different than Warner brothers. Yeah. Using Warner brothers Warner Media, acts, exactly. or any of their subsidiaries for music all they're doing is moving month moving dollar right. signs on a spreadsheet at this point right but <laughs> back then back then you know you're not looking at like nowadays it's just so big now it's just almost it, it comes in that's just it's an obvious but back then this was you know moat for motown to provide to produce a movie i think they had done the whiz and there was a few other ones but not much it wasn't like they were putting out movie this it, motown wasn't known as a movie production company um but the film this one definitely uses a lot of a lot of music from the time, um, especially the number one song by DeBarge, "Rhythm of the Night." I when I was watching this dude and this came on, and all of a sudden we were like, "Okay, so now we're we're also promoting Motown Records at the moment." Um, I, I pictured I, I I sat back and I had a smile on my face because I pictured this that coming on. And you jumping off your couch and just really dancing and getting down like, like you were back in the 80s. You pictured me doing this. Yes. Yes. No. It brought just, a lot of joy to me to think that happened. I, I sat there and I looked up at it and I'm like, <laughs> uh, what? And then I said at one point, oh, was that Vanity in the, in the video? Yeah. <laughs> I wonder why she's in the video. Oh, God. Isn't that amazing, dude? Like, so what does this soundtrack look like? Um, 10 we songs, have- 37 minutes. And 57. That's a short soundtrack. Rhythm of the Night, right? Seventh Heaven. Which by Vanity. That that, that was a song. Um some of these other ones I don't really know. Never heard that song times in this movie. Yeah, none of the other songs were songs I heard of. I think they were either done specifically for this or they were just off of certain tracks that, you know, these aren't hits. Rhythm of the Night was the only hit from this. Here's a song by Rockwell. (laughs) 
And it's not the one with Michael Jackson. No, that's why nobody knows it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what'd you think of that song that played over the credits? It was like time of my life type tone. And I'm like, it was weird. Like this doesn't fit the rest of the movie unless this no. is a joke. Nope. First it was time definitely on a weird. Ferris wheel. Was that the name of the song? Yeah. No. Okay. They had Smokey Robinson singing it. It was just a weird song. It didn't fit. It should have been like if that should have been they should have inserted a scene where where there was like a like a, I don't know, maybe they slept together or something and you'd have this music playing at that. Time. That would have never happened. But it just that's this is when you play that music. You're not going to play this anywhere else. Or maybe like maybe like the record company guy or the producer, you know, he's trying to sell this video to this this host, have her over, be slimy and like have the candlelight dinner and put that on like you're trying to schmooze her. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But at the end of this movie, after everything we saw, after the, the showdown with Shonuff, after, you know, catching the bullet in his teeth, after all of this stuff, right, then this is the music that plays. Yeah, it didn't feel right at all. It felt like you should have done something more upbeat, right? A little bit more of an upbeat, dancey kind of tune. More upbeat, but not as upbeat as Rhythm of the Night. No, I think it should have been Rhythm of the Night. <laughs> mm, I don't know. It sends a wrong tone, doesn't it? <laughs> Dude, this is so amazing. Um. The soundtrack fits what the movie is, though. It's again, it's a Motown movie. A lot of the songs are from Motown, um, but they also fit this era, the era of R&B in the 80s. Like this is what the music sounded like when you see people dancing in the club and doing that thing. I mean, this is what the music was they were listening to. So it all fits. There's nothing in here that felt off except for that towards the end. And there is this other moment where the music was weird. What was it now? I think it was like, was, is it actually The Last Dragon? Like it's it was the words were literally about being the last dragon. Yeah, I think they played that song and the glow or parts of it, the same parts of it. Yeah, twice in the, like the beginning. Yeah, and oh the yeah, end. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, how clever is it that to feature all of your, uh, not all of your, but to to have a setting, a total request live. I'm just going to call it that. Yeah, uh, a you know an evening magazine, uh, whatever the hell it's called, a place to showcase music videos. How clever is it as the? Because this movie is technically called Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon. Yeah, and yeah. you know how clever is it to have a music video uh, daily show uh, where you put feature on, your music. Yeah, feature your music because and and they are all very different, like DeBarge, Vanity. Um, you know, Charlene, uh, you have Smokey Robinson on here, Rockwell, uh, uh, Temptations were in a featuring role on one of the songs called, yeah. you know, Inside You. I don't remember that song. That sounds wrong, but yeah. That should have played over the credits. <laughs> no, I think but it yeah, was dude, like, yeah. it, I, it's, I don't know. it yeah. works, right? Like this just works. This is a, I know this is a soundtrack you're going to be banging this summer. Windows down, down on my truck. Up. <laughs> get a convertible (laughs) installed on my truck and just put the put the convertible top down uh you have anything else to say about the music um i mean it fit the time like you said there were some songs that i like stevie wonder has a song called upset stomach never heard that before i'm telling you none of them are hits it's 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 okay it fits but there's nothing memorable yeah but they were you know it what they weren't like awful right songs Right. Like, I'm like, oh, I didn't know Stevie Wonder had this. Like, because again, I watched with the captions on. Uh, I did not know. Okay. What was weird though was at the very end, at like, I don't know how far into the credits you watched, but 
once they got like halfway through the credits, they played like a mega mix of all the songs in the soundtrack. Like they would just do like a no, hard edit to the next, really? like, like uh, almost like not quite a radio dial or like a boop or, or anything like that. But uh, <laughs> they're just like, here, listen to everything. We want you to buy this album. <laughs> okay. Do you remember back in the mid nineties when Greece had that big resurgence and they made mm-hmm. all the songs in Greece into mm-hmm. one song? Yes. It, they yes. kind of did that same thing with wow. this. I was wow. Like, no, wow, that's I different. didn't do that. I, what I do now, anytime I watch movies now is I do fast forward so that I could see, you know, I could see the, the, preview, the preview of what the yeah. screen is just in case there's something I want to see. There wasn't. Uh, yeah, there wasn't. So I just kept going. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't stop to listen. Um, so yeah, there's the music for you. Let's go into the special effects. Not too many until we get to the end. Like the special effects we have are some practical effects, right? We have, um, you know, the, the boiling of the water with whatever creatures in there, practical, practical, you know, the bones and stuff. I think they just up. put us, well, that scene itself was funny. They just turn on the spa jets. Yes, you know, <laughs> that's all it and is. Then they cut away and like they cut back and you see Mike Starr just holding like what looks like a, you know, a, a wing that someone who has talent just sucks all the, right. the sucks all the meat off the boat. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so there's not much until the end when we get this fight between Shogun and, and, uh, or Shonuff and, and Bruce Leroy Green. And all of a sudden we got, we've got glowing hands. We've got a, like explosive, like blasts of light from, from, you know, impact points and lightning. And it was all of a sudden it was mortal combat basically. No, it became a season. It became an episode, a fight scene in power Rangers is really what it did. <laughs> yes. It's exactly what it is, dude. But man, like, but it so, worked for me. Sorry. I, mean, I thought it was awesome. I'm just it, like, yes. Okay. So great. it adds to the character of show yes. It, I mean, I mean, so like the the first time you see the glow where he's got his hands crossed and it's yeah. and it's facing him, it looks a little goofy. And then you go to the shot over his shoulder and you're like, this is dog shit. And then <laughs> you know he does his his thing and and he starts whooping some ass on on Leroy, and it doesn't look bad because it it tracks him very well and and whatever. Um, but yes, then the various colorings of sparks or fireworks. Um, as we are coming up close to or just past Memorial Day. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Maybe that makes sense. I don't know. It, it definitely doesn't. But, you know, the best CG effect <laughs> is when the gold glow goes over Leroy. Yes. And then the hands, the glow of the hands starts to short out on Shonov. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like they're neon, like they're neon <laughs> signs that are just going out. I they're know, losing. Dude, I was going to say that. So I, I, I would have to say I disagree with you in one piece that you just said. You said something about them not being bad. It's bad. It's bad special effects. But it's, it's th- what they're doing with this adds to the character of this film. Like it adds to what this is. Because I feel like if you'd have gotten like top of the line special effects all of a sudden, it would have made this everything else in this movie seem out of place when that mm-hmm. happened. You know what I mean? So it totally works for what's happening in the entirety of how this film is packaged. So let me clarify my, my previous statement. <laughs> yeah. I was only comparing the CG <laughs> of that scene, one, one shot to the next. The, the front shot 
the over the shoulder gotcha. and then the side fight shots. That's gotcha. all I was comparing. Gotcha. Good, better, best. And there was but, a uh, good, there was a better, there was yeah. a best of all of them. And there was a dog shit of all yeah. of them. But you watch that. And again, if you're watching this and you've never like you're seeing this movie for the first time and you're, you're, you're no, you know, you don't know what you're getting into and you don't understand what this is supposed to be. You're going to see that and be like, oh, my God, that is horrible. Like, that's the worst ever. And it is not the greatest. But God, it works. It works so good for this movie. Like when you saw the over the shoulder shot and his hands are all glowing red. There is this cool thing that they made sure to do when you look at uh, Leroy's chest, right? You can see the glow of the red on his skin. Like there's mm-hmm. it's literally glowing off of him. So that looks kind of cool, you know? Um, and so there, yeah, when he becomes enveloped in this kind of golden glow, you know, it's just looks it looks rough. And it I mean, it is it's it's what they had to use. Um, they're not using ILM. So, you know, you're, we're not getting top mm. of the line, you know, special effects here. But for me, it works. It works for this film. And so that's why, you know, even though it is bad in terms of the effects and the execution of what they're trying to pull off, man, it just works for this. And I just I love it. I just think it's awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. It's great. I mean, it, it, yeah, the, the, all the, like you said, all the other effects were practical. I'm just going to, or, or fast cuts so that mm-hmm. they didn't have to invest. It's, oh, yeah, like than, he didn't really catch a bullet with his teeth. <laughs> that was the realistic part because he did. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one thing they actually did. Yeah. <laughs> Timex, be- like, have you heard of Jackie Chan? I'm the first one. I'd like to do my own stunts. Jeez. Uh, but yeah, dude. So that's, that's much. Was there anything else for special effects? I think everything else was, you know, more like martial arts and like you said, camera work, like mm-hmm. when, when the master's shooting arrows at him and he's smacking him away, we're not seeing any special effects there. We're just seeing camera tricks. We're seeing yeah. the kind of throw it in the air and smack it real quick. And we cut to it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that works out and, and it works well too. It actually works pretty effective. There's a couple of those that look, look real. Like he really did smack it out of the air. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would say that he's probably young enough to be and practiced enough to be like, oh yeah, I could do that. But they're like, yeah, 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 we know you can. But yeah. these are movies. There's insurance involved. Let's let's try that on take three. <laughs> let's not do it. And we just uh, happen to not have enough time to get to take three today. <laughs> and as you say that, let's go ahead and end the show. No, <laughs> okay. So uh, let's finish this up though. Let's get into our our final thoughts and our rating. We're rating this on five soul glows. Is that what we decided? We did soul glows you want to go first you want me to go oh you can go first this was your first time in a long time oh yeah it's been a long time but man watching it again was like being a kid again it was watching this movie that i remember just being like oh my god i remember this part and then there was stuff i didn't remember um and when the stuff that i didn't remember when i was watching it and feeling like it was kind of new again it was enjoyable so i knew i was enjoying this movie um this isn't you know I think I say this a lot when we talk about these kinds of movies, this isn't Oscar winning kind of performances. This isn't an Oscar winning script. You know, you're not looking at Anthony Perkins or, you know, or, or, you know, Ridley Scott, you know, productions here where we're, we're watching a 1980s movie that takes a love of Kung Fu from a different cultural viewpoint. Right. Mm -hmm. And then kind of mashes it together and would go on to continue to influence black exploitation films and other genre pieces that come from this. Um, you would also see here kind of the seeds and the birth of what would begin to influence hip hop culture moving forward. I mean, God, we have a whole rap group that it, you know identifies itself with these 1960s and 70s kung fu films 
that, that again influenced this. Um, uh, I don't know, but they ain't nobody to fuck with. Um, I heard that. You know, Bruce Lee. We talked. We talked about Enter the Dragon on this show. We talked about the importance of the film. We talked about the performance, the importance of Bruce Lee, his impact on culture. And right here, immediately, just a few episodes later, we're 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 already experiencing what some of his impact was. So much so that there's a lot of footage that they use from his films in this movie for extended periods of time, not just like a quick like you see it on screen. Like there's a whole like weird kind of video montage music thing gimmick that they did later on using scenes from his movies um, that was weird it, yeah it really was but it fits like it fits what's happening in the in the movie right it fits the narrative so and so it, you know it, i'm sorry it exposes the trope of that's what i have to do to get yes you know exactly um but you know that's the thing man this the, everything about this movie really watching it again as an adult and revisiting it with a little bit more of a critical eye. Cause I can tell you a lot of the things that just are kind of don't work with this, obviously, but everything about when I finish this movie, everything about it, the packaging, the way I walk away from this movie, you know, 100% definitely understand why it's considered a cult classic. It has all of the ingredients to be this movie that people end up loving for all these different aspects but one of them being just that simple thing. It's a simple story of this kid who's different than others, right? Who is going to stay true to himself and staying true to himself. He ends up becoming the master, right? Becoming the, the great one, whatever you want to call it. Um, and that's everybody identifies with that. And, there's, and I think that's probably one of the things that really pulls people in is that that's the base thing here is he's such a kind of innocent character and, and you start to, you pull for him throughout the whole film. You want to see him get to what he's trying to get to and, and beat the bad guys um, and, and throw in everything else that you would love about anything else in life. And it works with this, you know, over the top characters, goofy acting. Uh, if you're into martial arts, there's martial arts in this. There's some good martial arts. There's some bad martial arts, but it's here, right? We've got all different kinds of things. This movie's got all kinds of stuff, man. Um, one thing it was, it does. It's lacking is the the music isn't as memorable. You could have probably being Motown, you could have probably snagged a bunch of number one hits of all of your, your, your catalog. And they just blown the soundtrack out of the water, but you decided to do something different and throw a bunch of new stuff in there to see how this movie and, and, and that would work. So uh, out of all that, I think I'm going to be giving this movie a 4.25 soul glows for me, because this is uh, definitely a cult classic, super enjoyable. I loved it. Uh, not the greatest, but I loved it. I thought it's great. Yeah, I, I mean this. This movie is a it, it's a cult movie, a cult classic. It's got a lot of the things you said. the The cast is great. Um, the acting, some of it's good, some of it's not. It seems very innocent in a lot of its acting, especially with Timek, and um, you know, being completely green for lack of a better term. Um, you know just looking here, there's so many things in pop culture that are in high, like big top tier uh, pop culture. You know, like you mentioned Buster Rhymes uh, dresses as Shonuff in his oh, yeah. uh, video Dangerous. Uh, uh, there's a wrestler named Naomi who uses a tagline, feel the glow inspired by the movie. Yeah. Um, she's, she's married to one of the Usos. Yeah. Um, Alex, uh, some uh, Kakaris. Uh, uses a nickname Bruce Leroy. Um, 
you know, they're, they're in Bed-Stuy in, in Brooklyn. There's a pizzeria named Daddy Green's, which was also in this movie. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's so many different things that this movie is referenced in. Um, and, and it's, you know, just, it has permeated and, and continues to perpetuate itself within pop culture 35 plus years later, you know, yeah. and, and Timex doesn't look 35 years older, by the way, he looks no. like he's 23. Yeah. I saw a picture maybe. of him more recently. I was like, Holy cow. Yeah. And, and that's, I mean, that, that has nothing to do with the movie, but it's like, okay, that's, that's the guy. He still looks like the guy. Um, you know, the story itself is a little fantastical, but somewhat grounded in reality. Mm-hmm. Um, basically it's just a naive, shy, um, hasn't really quite come out of his shell, but at the same time, hasn't really figured out that he doesn't have to look externally for the answer. A lot of times he can just look internally. Um, and then there's just a bully. A lot of people can relate to the fact that you're easy to get picked on yep, and therefore a bully will target you and that's what's happening. And he has to stand up to the bully, which yep. there happens to happen in this movie on a couple different occasions. You know, with uh, Eddie and his girlfriend. And his brother sometimes. Yeah, his brother was Shogun, uh, Shonoff and whatever. Uh, at one point, there were talks to remake this movie. Oh, I don't, I don't, oh, oh just hold, hold that thought, Chris. Uh, there were talks probably pre-Iron Man, and they kind of stopped after Iron Man 2. So that gives you, what, like 2006 to 2012, maybe? And they kind of stopped because the guy that they that they were talking about uh, doing the role of of Shonuff was Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> I could see it though, dude. He would totally kill. I think he, he would, would be totally the, kill it, dude. I think he would be the unless they like. He would probably be the only one that could really or Buster Rhymes character. Buster Rhymes could, um, you know. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, those, those have since stopped those Good. rumors. Good. You don't need to remake this because yeah. the original is, I think as good as you're going to get, you know, everybody, well, I say everybody except me and possibly you <laughs> uh, have some sort of martial arts or, or combat training of sorts, be it, you know, boxing or, you know, kickboxing, which is boxing with your feet as well. Uh, or some sort of MMA type which inside of MMA is boxing and kickboxing. So, Mm -hmm. wow, Sean, way to say the same thing three times (laughs) Um, is so, you know, there's that there's, there's just the the whole, everything that surrounds this movie on the screen, you know, the backgrounds, the, the locations, the people, the fact that everybody at the final scene was wearing a white outfit down to white hats. Yep. Oh, they all have those. Oh, they made sure to. There was those closets, and they're just yeah. like, you know what? Take what fits. Or yeah, or is that wardrobe? Apparently, it looks <laughs> to be wardrobe. So, Amazing. anyways, um, I mean, as far as this is this is a um, an attempt to be the same yet different than uh, Enter the Dragon. To a degree, it is. To a degree, it's a little different, and that's fine. Um, but there's, you know, the effects are spot on with the rest of the movie. You know, there's, uh, you know, just go back and listen to what I said seven minutes ago or so. Um, 
and it introduces Ernie Reyes Jr. Again, star of Teenage yeah. Ninja Turtles 2 and yeah. a very young Chaz Palminteri. Oh, yeah. Um, William H. Macy. And William I mean, H. Macy, yeah. Yeah, you have these weird cameos of, at the time it was, who's that of when? Or who's yeah. that of, huh? And mm-hmm. now it's like, oh, hey. William H. Macy. Uh, Ernie Reyes Jr. I mean, he kind of fell back into the, who's that of, huh? Yeah, right. Uh, but, you know, very practiced. Uh, you know, he's got that little kid hop, jump around type crap that he does with, um, you know, which he's always done. And I guess mm-hmm. that's a thing you're supposed to do. Again, no combat training here at all. So um, please mug me on the streets of anywhere you see me. Um, it's not an invitation, by the way. That was done in satirical humor. And <laughs> the court will find you liable. That's the way that works. Um, but all in all, I mean, it is a good movie. It's a solid story. Uh, my phone sat beside me with the exception of like, oh, who's that? They look familiar. Yeah, same here. Same. Um, and, and I have seen this movie before. It is a, the, the last scene. Okay, so I watched this with E and I had shown her the final fight scene before on, on the YouTubes. And every time he squared up to fight Leroy, squared up to fight somebody or practice something or show enough showed up, uh, show enough showed up. Uh, show enough arrived on screen because he didn't just show up he arrived it oh, was yeah. an event you know he's always uh, kicking a door in or like his entourage like walks yeah. out like <laughs> like north korean military style you yeah. know and she's like oh is this the scene you showed me is this a scene is this a scene i'm like no keep watching you'll see it <laughs> it's coming. you'll know <laughs> um but that final fight scene though man that really bumps it up for me like it bumps it up a lot like he kicks him through the door like yeah. he does the the he he's he does the misdirect yeah you know, he's swinging rope so uh, Mr. Nuff goes over there grabs the thing and then Leroy comes swinging in and uh, kicks him through and he's like he does that bad guy I'm gonna die but I'm not <laughs> never do Just look at Carl from Die Hard um, and uh, Carl was the guy that was covered by blankets at the end of Die Hard gotcha and and uh, Pal Sergeant Pal. Reginald Vell Johnson of Family Matters fame uh, shoots him. That 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 guy. Um, but uh, when he's laying there, and then you cut back to Leroy, and then you hear Leroy. Yeah. Drink it. Uh, and then you cut <laughs> back to where where Mister Nuff was laying, and he's not there anymore. And you're like, oh shit. And then like you hear that that. You're like, oh fuck, where'd he go? And he, his eyes are looking around like, oh damn which I thought was great, by the way, mm-hmm. like that whole final fight scene is just the best. Um, I, I, so for, for rambling there, trying to figure out what you didn't say um, and add my own two cents. Um, I got to go four and a half on this one, 4.25. So uh, uh, I bought a half bottle of soul glow because, and four more full bottle. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah gotcha. It was, it was a long way to get there, Sean. Very nice. <laughs> Very, very nice. So there you go. There you have it. Last Dragon. Uh, if you guys haven't checked it out and you listen to us ramble about it, definitely go check it out because it's much better than the way we portrayed it. What's the next one we're doing now? We're doing a, a Brolin film, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, we're totally going to do not a Brolin film. So No, it's not a Brolin film. What, what are we doing next? I forget who we're doing. So these movies, um, I, I don't know how it came to be, but for the most part, I've been kind of curating a list of weird movies for us to watch in different themes. Um, and then you of course agree to it. Hmm. Um, 
or we come to a mutual agreement, but we're who was we're, it that just died? That's why we're doing this. Oh next yeah. Film. Uh, so the next film we're going to splice in Charles Grodin recently. Grodin. Why did I say Brolin? <laughs> Don't know. Uh, Charles Grodin. Uh, not. Oh, you're thinking of. Um, so we're we're watching Josh Grobin. Yeah. Well, and... that's a, that's actually a real person. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, James. Uh, James. Jeez. Charles Grodin <laughs> just died uh, within the last week or two. And I have heard I have not seen that uh, the movie we're going to cover is a good movie. Uh, probably one yeah. of his best plays the straight man uh, to Robert De Niro in the 1988 classic Midnight Run. Familiar with the word arteriosclerosis? Cholesterol? You want to outline a complete balanced diet for you? Well, mail it to me from C block. Why would you eat that? Why? Yeah, because it tastes good. But it's not good for you. Well, well, why would you do something that you know that's not good for you? Because I don't think about it. Well, that's living in denial. Living in denial? Yeah. I'm aware of that. So you're aware of all your behavior, yet you continue to do things that aren't good for you. That sounds sort of foolish, don't you think so, Jack? No. Stealing $15 million from Jimmy Serrano sounds foolish. I don't think I get caught. Now that's living in denial. I'm aware of that. Oh, so you're aware of your behavior, and yet you continue to do things that aren't good for you. Sounds kind of foolish to me, don't you think, John? It was foolish. But taking 15 million of mob money and giving it to charity was good for a lot of people. Oh, so you pissed off a mafioso killer just to be loved by a bunch of fucking strangers. That makes a lot of sense. Don't you want to be loved? There are lots of people who love me. Really? I've never seen it. And I'm a huge De Niro fan. I've seen a lot of his films and I've never seen this movie. So I am definitely looking forward to seeing this one. Um, and this is definitely pre-Beethoven, Grodin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, <laughs> and this is where I hear De Niro has prove, proved that he has sillies, that he can be funny. Awesome. Has comic timing. Nice. Comedic timing. So we'll check that out next. Looking forward to it. Um, before we get out of here, make sure to check out the website, BICBP-radio.com. Check out some of the other uh, shows on the network as well. Throw some support their way. Uh, other than that, I've got nothing else to say. What you got left to say, Sean? Uh, just as always, be smart, be safe. Please wear your mask. If you are going to a place that requires it, don't be a jerk. Just wear it because the business has the right to, t- to say, no, 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 no. And we have the and right to say... It is now time to unsilence your phones. <laughs>